You're listening to Radio Free Satan. Enjoy the show. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents, everyone. What a fucking week I've had. Alright, so I... <laughs> fucking just stuttering. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. I am your host, Adam Campbell, and it is great to have you. It is June 3rd, and I've got a great show for you this week. I actually just just finished talking with Naughty Bits. Uh, really fantastic podcast. Great conversation. Uh, I would love to be able to have them on the show all the time. Uh, that's how much fun it is uh, talking about sex and stuff. Um, but today, today I've got Darren Deicide talking about his 7-inch bomb this joint and doing a little live show. So uh, that's going to be badass. Uh, and Darren is also one of those uh, really fine gentlemen, great uh, to speak with, always uh, very knowledgeable about music and about culture and it's always great to talk to him, too. So look forward to that. That's going to be in the Creature Feature. In the Infernal Informants, sort of going backwards here, I'm going to be giving you an article. High school students capture video of possible Bigfoot. It's finally put to rest. Is he real? Well, high school students think they might uh, got a little Bigfoot. Maybe not. And another article. Phoenix police say mom forgot baby on car roof. Oh, haven't we all done that at one point? Done the very, like, Raising Arizona scene where you you put the baby carrier on the roof so you can get the shopping bags inside and then you just sort of get in and you start speeding down the highway at 80 miles an hour and you're like, oh, shit! You look in the rearview mirror, oh, little baby Bob wasn't in the car and he's up on the roof and you have to stop and it's like this big scene and then you're chased by cops and... Right? That happens to everyone? No? Well... We're going to be talking about that article, nonetheless. And the devil's advocate, artificial human companions. Oh, yeah. Those that won't talk back. (laughs) I'm going to be talking about that for a little bit. Uh, Before we start the show, however, I've got a little uh, exciting stuff going on. Okay, so, first of all, it was announced on Volpergisnacht. I haven't even talked about it at all since, and I don't know why. But Asp Apparel, in their infinite wisdom, have <laughs> made the bold decision of allowing me to uh, put my merchandise with their store. Asp Apparel is based out of the UK. Shipping is negligible, so that should not be a hindrance. And it is the highest quality of work. Now, I know some of you have already gotten uh, sort of promo shirts from me. Uh, from various contests or doing certain things that I've called out to do and you follow through and I've sent you a shirt which is amazing and awesome but Asp Apparel is now making it possible for everyone to have 9 cents clothing so the tie which is uh, pretty badass if I do say I mean very rat pack in feel uh, you should go check it out at Asp Apparel slash 9 cents uh, so the tie is pretty awesome uh, laptop bag uh, messenger bag and t-shirts for men and women And look, let's be honest, Uh, I'm not going to get rich off this. Point in fact, I would be surprised if anyone bought anything (laughs) at any point. 
However, if you want to let other people know about Nine Cents, which I always am, uh, you know, pretty uh, in line with, if you ever want to let people know that there is a third perspective out there, that there is something, well, this is your opportunity, man. Show some support for the show. Uh, you know, get a t-shirt. It's not going to break your bank, uh, but it'll wet my beak a little bit, and uh, that makes me smile. <laughs> Though... To be quite honest, most everything does. I mean, it's, whether it's offensive or obscure, it still brings a smile to my face. Um, however, uh, just a little reminder quickly, Radio Free Satan is always accepting um, donations to help keep it going. Um, the bills come up all the time, so if you are able, please go and donate a little Skrilla to RFS. They are uh, an amazing collection, a collaboration of minds. I like to think variety of products out there to suit your particular music or particular uh, spoken word tastes. And even if it's comedy, Bill M is doing an amazing job, Reverend Bill M. So uh, support RFS and uh, drop them a dime. And then while you're at it, jump on over to Ask with Peril and support Ask with Peril and support me in the process. And hey, everyone's happy. Mm, good stuff, right? So yesterday, uh, my daughter had her first dance recital, which was <laughs> very funny because it's just really a bunch of like toddlers doing it. Um, and the best you can do is try to not make them cry <laughs> up on stage. So I actually I posted that video to my YouTube page, uh, my personal YouTube page, and my wife posted it to her personal Facebook page. And it's it's very funny. It's very cute. Um, <laughs> but we were standing in the sun the whole doggone day. And what I didn't realize happened was that um, here in Salt Lake, there's like this sort of amateur WWF thing. So they had like a whole ring set up and there was like a very amateur wrestlers out there sort of doing their little shticks. It was amazing. I had no idea it even existed until my, <laughs> my daughter's recital. But yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. So... Uh, very hot day. The sun is beating down on us. And to make it worse, we could see a storm not 15 miles away. So we could see the clouds, we could see the rain falling from the clouds, and all we could feel was the hot-ass sun. And, uh, you know, i got to be honest, I'm a fan of the sun, until which point I'm standing out under it for an hour, sweating my balls off, wishing that this child recital would end so I could go home and get in some shade, have a little ice water, then immediately switch over to some cold homebrew. I mean, let's be honest. I, I didn't want to be out there. So, w I actually had a tattoo appointment afterward. So, as soon as my my daughter got off stage, I gave her a big hug, told her I was very proud of her, gave her a kiss on the cheek, and bolted my ass to my tattoo appointment, which I was late for. And I'm, I'm sort of refreshing my Scottish family crest on my shoulder. Um, uh, Adam from Art on You Studios... Uh, you all know Storm. He's been on the show a number of times. Uh, amazing Satanist. Uh, he's one of the artists at his uh, Art on You Studios. Um, I had him sort of refresh it because I've seen him refresh artwork before, and he did a really great job. This was my very first tattoo when I was a kid, and someone else paid for it, so I didn't... One, I was a kid, so I, I didn't know shit about shit. I, I didn't know anything about tattoos except that bikers and um, you know tough guys had them, and I wanted to be that. So, so I got one, um, and I wanted to have meaning. So obviously the clan, family clan crest, put on my shoulder. It's great. 
but it was done so poorly that there's natural degradation over time uh, with tattoos. It got to the point of being unrecognizable. So, and, 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 you know, to be fair, let's be fair here. It, it was probably unrecognizable to begin with uh, because of the person doing it was the first time was an apprentice um, and I didn't know any better and they didn't know any better and it was just like all the stars saved the fuck away from alignment and allowed me to fail. <laughs> so I failed. But uh, I've been wearing around for like shit for forever so I decided to have him fix it up. Long story short, too late. Uh, he did a pretty damn good job. It's not finished yet. We're going to have to do another sitting. But it was one of those things where I was so exhausted from the sun I was like sitting in the tattoo chair. He was like tattooing my shoulder which to be honest is probably the least painful spot you can possibly ever get tattooed in. Um, so I was just literally falling asleep. Just like uh, uh, just completely just drained of energy and everything. Finally got done with that. I decided to have, which was an amazingly horrible idea, a bottle of wine and, I mean, not to myself, but, you know, I had some wine and the entire night is blur. Like, I, I, I know I was very, very mean to those I loved, which is always a great thing to be uh, sober about. And uh, I had a horrible night's sleep. <laughs> Aside from those two things. I'm one of those people that uh, alcoholism runs my family, so I moderate my intake significantly. I will uh, be very careful never to overstep the boundaries, because I know what happens when I do. I become a fucking douchebag. And, I mean, to be fair, I'm an asshole on a normal, average, everyday, sober period, but I don't want to be a douchebag. Certainly not to my family, not to those I love but I tend to be annoying when I overindulge. And for some reason, though I didn't overindulge in quantity, the sun's uh, uh, draining of me, I guess you could say, even though that kind of sounds retarded, made it so I, I was a total dick to my wife, and I was a little bit of an ass to my kids, and uh, I kind of feel like shit. And that's one of those things like you always have to be cognizant of. Uh, when you're with your friends, it doesn't matter. You know what? Be a douche. Uh, you know, rub them the wrong way. You just be, have fun and be you. It's all good. But when it comes to your family, you, you know, you don't want to do that. And it's not because you don't want to be who you really are. Because, I mean, in all honesty, we're not all douchebags. We just like to sort of, you know, grind into people verbally from time to time. Uh, but that line is a little bit blurred when you're sort of out of your mind. So, uh, you know, apologize to the family there. They actually don't listen to the show, so they'll never know, so I'm going to still have to walk up to them face-to-face -face and tell them. But still, you know, point, point being, uh, you, you got to, you got to mo everything in moderation. You know, as, as very much an indulgent individual, uh, backed by my religion uh, and just my nature, you always have to be cognizant. You know, you always have to sort of be above that wave. And I think that's one reason why I'm not into drugs, is because I don't think you're ever above that wave when you're into drugs, like the dude that was on bath salts, even though we're going to call that a drug for this argument, but I guess technically it's not a drug, it's, it's a bath product, I don't know. Um, but he, like, ate the homeless guy's face, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> Always be above the wave, that's what I'm saying. If you're going to do drugs, I don't recommend it. I, I certainly don't think anyone should uh, do anything illegal. However... Stay above the wave. <laughs> Everything in moderation. And the wave, if you don't understand what that means, is just being the influence of X on you. You know, whatever drug you're indulging in, whether it's tobacco or alcohol, stay above it so you're always in control. Okay. Um, 
<laughs> the more you know is over. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump in the Devil's Advocate. Let's have an amazing show. Uh, thank you for joining me for yet another week. Uh, this is it's a true pleasure to be able to do this show and have it received by people. I'm getting more and more followers uh, every week on Facebook, even though it's still pretty low because I don't think anyone's sharing it. But, you know, that's cool. <laughs> though I would like you to share it. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're using iTunes to download my podcast, which I, I don't know why you wouldn't, um, unless you're going directly to RFS, which is fine. If you're using iTunes to get my RSS feed, stop by and, uh, you know, click the like button. Give me a review. Even if it's a horrible one. Especially if it's a horrible one. I want to know what people think. I want to improve the show. Uh, I want to make the best product I can. Uh, even if it's all for free. Because, uh, let's be honest. <laughs> I'm not getting paid for this shit. <laughs> Alright, so, uh, <laughs> another great question mark. Nine cents <laughs> starts right now. Why bother? How you done? Great. Let's cut the bullshit and get real. Why this purity you feel about evil? For Christ's sake, why? Don't lie to me. I guess, Father. You gotta feel that old nick in your soul. And it becomes clear. Like it did for me, the first time. That's when I realized my one true calling in life. No, what's that? Shit, man. <laughs> I'm a born devil's advocate. Welcome to the devil's advocate. I'm a Satanist. I'm a member of the Church of Satan. But I do not speak for the Church of Satan. That is all. Uh, what I want to talk about here today is uh, just the idea of artificial companions. And I have to be honest, of, of all of the notions that, uh, of all of the ideas that Anton LaVey wrote down, this was the one I always had the most trouble with. And it, it wasn't because I didn't think that there was a niche for it, but that he took and gave it such weight as to, um, you know, put it in like... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, pentagonal revisionism, uh, the five-point program here. So I, I've gone over what that is before, but I, I sort of want to touch on the idea of number four artificial human companions, and um, let me read this to you. It's also addressed in the Devil's Notebook, so I'll be referencing that briefly. Uh, but here, here's the uh, point here. Four, development and production of artificial human companions, the forbidden industry, an economic godsend which will allow everyone power over someone else, polite, sophisticated, technologically feasible slavery, and the most profitable industry since TV and the computer. And certainly there's no argument that, one, it's being done. Certainly um, the real doll, for example, is... Uh, very much uh, success in production and I mean if anyone, the Japanese in ro their robotics uh, and in the creation of uh, very lifelike robotics are, are sort of taking this to the next level 
I mean, sex dolls are one thing, but when it starts interacting, well, that's that's another thing altogether. And what we need to remember is, is I guess, the intent that Anton LaVey had with this. And uh, it, it was spelled out in that, just that, that everyone has authority over another creature. Um, and in this case, it's an artificial creature, but a creature nonetheless. When you when you think about something like ritual, for example, it's very much a personal um, expression of energy and desire. You are you are putting yourself out into the world. You're 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 thrusting your energy into the ether and uh, creating what would not normally occur. Well, artificial companions are that same thing. It's sort of in the same vein. You are uh, creating or purchasing another being or creature who will do as you command. Now, this may be therapeutic, this may be purely sexual, uh, or it just may be a way for you to express yourself with absolutely um, no negative reaction uh, legally <laughs> if it was a real person. So let's just say for argument's sake you want to eat the face off someone. <laughs> Wouldn't you rather do it to an artificial human companion than get shot and killed uh, by doing it to a homeless guy? <laughs> and let's just say, I mean, to sort of go off on this briefly, I know I did last week and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but why a homeless guy? Like, why not a model or, or someone you found attractive? Like, of all the skin you want to eat, why a monsters? Ugh. So anyway, I guess we'll never know what he really looked like uh, since uh, he was homeless and the his face was gone. <laughs> but but that is sort of the idea behind the human companion. I mean, if, if you're going to have this inanimate object that satisfies you emotionally or sexually, it's very much going to be your slave. Um, it is the last bastion of accepted slavery in our world. Um, and when I say our world, I mean our civilized world. I mean, certainly there's slavery or, or very slave-like conditions in other areas of our uh, current world here. Um, so artificial companions, and this is something that, and like I said before, I had a sort of kind of a problem with it because I, I interact so much with other people, I never thought that I would ever want or I could ever want something that wasn't alive to converse with or to abuse. But I, I can understand the compulsion. Uh, however, the older I've gotten, the more that my appetites have been satiated. Um, it's like, it, it's almost like a Hellraiser type deal. And I don't know if anyone's read The Hellbound Heart, uh, but it's uh, not, and I've featured it on Creature Feature in the past, but it's a novel by Clive Barker where Frank, this guy who is always pushing the boundaries of human experience, really goes to that next level. In um, And it's always one of those things, that, that one-up thing, uh, that you've done this, it was weird, uh, it was kind of nice, it was kind of not nice, there's maybe a little shame involved, but uh, you kind of want to take it to that next level. Like, you want to keep pushing, and I don't think this is, you know, dormant in everyone, but it certainly is dormant in me, where I, I want to go that next stage. Uh, and it may not be pleasurable at all, but I don't know until I've gotten there. 
And the, there comes a point where legality, um, human life, um, if, uh, your passions affecting uh, those around you comes into play. And you have to make those choices. Well, I can't do this with those I love or with those I care about. And if I did it with someone else, then that would uh, either be cheating or either harm, potentially, whatever connection you have with that person. So you have to sort of come to that terms where the only way that I'm going to be able to do this is if it's you know just me enacting it with some artificial creature. And that's the genius of Anton LaVey, is that, that he saw that. And it may be a natural progression of thought when it comes to sexual or um, domination experience that, that he had just naturally gotten to before me. Or it could be that he was a visionary and he saw what was dormant in mankind, you know, and what was the natural progression of mankind's appetite. Uh, whatever it was... I started this journey in Satanism not being that into it, and now I'm very much into it. And though I don't own a real doll, or I don't own an artificial companion, it is one of those uh, fantasy projects that I would like to start. If, if I could call uh, <laughs> a PBS home show and have them create it for me, <laughs> I absolutely would. Uh, you do have uh, some amazing Satanists dabbling in it right now. You, you have a full industry based around it. So... I guess I wanted to speak to this because it may not be appealing to everyone initially or ever but there are certainly those of us who who like a progression in an experience who very much want to go to that next level with any particular quirk and the only logical step for that is an artificial human companion so there is very much and I guess this is just an affirmation of, of that um, point, that, that fourth point uh, that Anton LaVey wrote, or in The Devil's Notebook when he wrote The Construction of Artificial Human Companions, and he, he literally broke down how you could get a, and, uh, a realistic result in his time. So think of now. I mean, think of, of the evolution of materials now. So you can really get close with uh, experiencing another human being and doing whatever you want to that, whatever experience you want to have uh, without fear of uh, incarceration. <laughs> Which is always a good thing, you know? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think this could either, this segment could, I, I always like those cartoons and maybe it was just like Rocky and Bullwinkle where they had like two titles. Like one was the straightforward title explaining what happened and one was sort of the, the alternate title. I guess this could be um, Artificial Human Companions or <laughs> How to Be a Fucking Pervert. Because <laughs> that's really what I'm bringing it to. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily be, have to be that. I mean, it may just be that you want to dress them up and have dinner with uh, someone who doesn't fucking talk back for once. Because maybe your partner does talk back. You don't even have to take it to a sexual side at all. Uh, or maybe you just want someone to listen to you. Uh, for me, yeah, I want to get some weird shit going on, man. <laughs> that's, <laughs> uh, that's how I roll. <laughs> so, enough of the embarrassing shit. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to Infernal Informant. Thank you for sticking around through that. Listen up! Listen up! Okay, yeah, Good news! And no devil! Bad news! Else, no heaven! 
nothing to say. I'm your fellow informant. Alright, what do we have here? The first one will go with high school students capture video of possible Bigfoot. In quotes. This is Pocatel, Idaho, Big Shock by Jake Taylor, and this is actually brought to you by Local News 8.com. For all your news that's local news, go to Local News 8. I just made that up. Right, and this was actually posted uh, Monday, May 30th. Not that far away. Wait, what? That wasn't Monday. Okay, well, that was uh, 5.38 Mountain Time, May 30th, not Monday. Wow. Uh, I, I have actually, uh, in all honesty, had a couple homebrews. Bear with me. A strange sighting by some high school students near Pocatello has Sasquatch hunters coming to southeast Idaho. Because you know there's no other reason to go to southeast Idaho. The students were on a school project near the west fork of Mink Creek, south Pocatello, when they saw this dark figure watching them from a ridge. One student grabbed his camera and caught a glimpse. It's always a glimpse, isn't it? Weird how that is, huh? And it's... I actually kind of find this... And I'll get to the article here in just a second. Uh, though the substance <laughs> is not much better uh, than I've already intimated here. But um, it, it's reassuring that it's Bigfoot and not some devil-worshipping person trying to steal your soul. You know, I mean, there was actually a point when I was growing up that no one gave a damn about Bigfoot. However, in every woods, or, or every grouping of three or more trees, there was some weird, evil cult of kids who would steal babies, though no babies ever went missing, and sacrificed them, or, or stole animals, though, again, no animals ever went missing, and killed them toward some, like, I don't know, Christian devil or something. Uh, so it's nice that we've evolved from that <laughs> to something else, uh, though just as abs <laughs> absurd. Uh, I hope there's no avid Bigfoot enthusiasts. Um, if you are, maybe Henry or Harry and the Hendersons is your type of show. <laughs> Where was I? Uh, a few fleeting seconds of dark, something disappeared into the tree line. It just didn't look human-like. I don't know what that is. It's not a bear. It's not a moose or anything. It was big and bulky and black, the student said. Isn't that where you should stop? Like, if you don't know what it is, why are you evolving to Bigfoot? If you, you admit you don't have a clue what it is, anything you say from that point on is meaningless. It's pure speculation. It will not be admissible into court. And you're just talking out your ass. <laughs> Uh, and that—that's sort of like—that's just like the natural progression. Well, I don't know what it was. It was dark. It must have been Bigfoot. You just said you didn't know what it was, and now you're positive it was Bigfoot. Shut up! You don't know. And the fact that in Pocatello, this is a fucking news story. They have nothing going on. Let's not focus on what's happening in the world. No, no, no. Let's focus on what some high school students, kids who don't know shit about shit, caught on their cell cam or camcorder conveniently located in their back pocket to see some dog monster on a ridge. That's news. Like, that's your decision as an editor to put out to the public. This was what represents Local News 8. Wow. I mean, it got you on nine cents, so congratulations, but I would venture to say, and this is not a compliment by any means, that my press is the best you're going to get. 
<laughs> and that should actually be a wake up. That that should be what alcoholics refer to as a moment of clarity <laughs> in your in your publishing career. All right, let's finish this. The students climbed the ridge and took photographs of some big footprints they found. All right. Well, this is where you know it is, in fact, a hoax. You know for a fact. Because if you really saw something like a Bigfoot, you would be terrified. You would see something that didn't exist in modern society, that no one accepted as a reality, and there's no reason why you would go up and take their footprints. Because what if it was still there, ready to rip your face off? I've come face to face with a wild moose on one of my many hikes up in uh, our Wasatch Mountains up here. Uh, And let me tell you something. That's a terrifying experience. It's not like standing at a zoo where there's a barrier between you and that wild creature. And that was a moose. A moose. Imagine a creature who has lived in hiding for, uh, let's say, uh, millions of years... Bigfoot is, you know, their, their, their supposition there. Uh, it hasn't evolved, so it is literally a wild creature, and it will defend itself even at the slightest hint of aggression. And you're going to go up climbing after it? You're either, one, full of shit. Ding, ding, that's the right answer. Two, incredibly stupid, which, okay, let's say ding, ding is also the right answer. Um, or three completely ignorant that your scheme here is going to be completely transparent and only believed by absolute junkies of xeno uh, uh, archaeology, biology uh, I don't know what but it, it just bullshit science I mean that that's that's the big and small of this this entire article I bring it here because I think it's absurd and I wanted to bitch about something and this fit the bill <laughs> but Still, it's, you know, it's, it's fun. Uh, it never... This is a quote here. It nevertheless is a large, dark figure that bears... <laughs> it bears a striking resemblance to descriptions of Sasquatch. This is what Meldrum said. It bears a striking resemblance to descriptions of Sasquatch. So it's a large, dark figure that they didn't know it was, yet it bears a... What, if it bared, like a striking resemblance to Sasquatch, you would have started with that. You wouldn't have said it was a large, dark figure. You would have said, Sasquatch was right in front of me, and this is the only video I could get of him because of my amazement. And we went up and we caught his footprints, and we were lucky that he didn't come and tear our faces off, uh, because everyone knows Sasquatches like bath salts, and they eat faces. Like, uh, that's the reality of it. But no, they say a dark figure so that they don't look like complete assholes, even though everyone deep down inside knows that they are assholes. Most people associate the Sasquatch with the Pacific Northwest and British Columbia, he said, but Meldrum said that there's a long history of Bigfoot lore in the Intermountain West and Idaho, though with different names. Really? The notion of the immigrants coming to this place here and encountering strange and marvelous things like stories of wild men and mountain devils, Meldrum said. Well, um, okay, let's, let's look. Let's take this realistically. Um, it would be strange mountain men and mountain devils are synonymous, the exact same thing. After all, um, in isolation and living in the wild, you do become uh, very much a devil. You revert to your very ancestral nature of being an animal, and you act like one. So those two things are the one of the things, but here's what I like next. Or it could be a hoax. On its own line, 
plain as can be. So Local News 8 from Pocatello knows it's a hoax. They have nothing else going on, so they have to highlight this as if it could be a hoax, or there's a long association with Sasquatch in this area. Really? Really? But the high school student who shot the video doesn't seem to be looking for attention. He requested that we not release his name or picture. That doesn't mean that he's not looking for attention. That means he doesn't want to be seen as a dumbass. Even though he is. Otherwise, how did you hear about it, newsman? Or woman? <laughs> you have to add all that on. Or woman. Or woman! Huh? How did you get this story? Was it like, his mom told your mom and your mom called you? I don't think so. So let's stop pretending this whole he's looking, not looking for attention. He is looking for attention. He doesn't want to have his name next to dumbass. Even though that's what it should be. And he said he's not simply sure uh, just what it was he saw standing on that ridge. But he was quick to say it was Sasquatch or else this article would mean nothing. Uh, I'm not going to say yes it was Bigfoot, he says, or no it wasn't. Because I don't know and nobody knows, the student said. But I'm going to deliver this video to you, newsmen, and I'm going to tell you that this is probably Bigfoot that I saw, but I don't want to use my name. Really? <laughs> the Animal Planet show Finding Bigfoot is making a stop in Pocatello in mid-June to see whether anyone else in the community has seen something Sasquatch-like. Animal Planet! There's an authority that comes with a cable show termed Animal Planet. And they're abusing that authority by featuring Bigfoot. There is no Bigfoot, people. There's no Loch Ness. They are admitted and like known hoaxes and people are still nowadays still on the 30th of this past month still thinking that it could be real oh yeah Mel Drum is doing a presentation on the history of Sasquatch along the Oregon Trail in Montpellier on Friday and Saturday. All right, well, congratulations, world. We have just lost a couple brain cells. Um, that's, you know, what I'm all about, bringing you a few less brain cells. I guess this article would be a brain cell drain. Uh, you are dumber for hearing this article, brought to you by Nine Sets. <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> uh, next article here. <laughs> Phoenix police say mom forgot baby on car roof. <laughs> oh my gosh! June second, I you know I I we I had an episode where and this was just a couple weeks ago where a friend of mine was sitting in and we talked about um, the dude who had like thirty kids and we said um, well maybe we should have a test to be a parent you know it has some sort of like you have licenses you have to have a test to get your license maybe you should have a test to have children I thought well I don't want a nanny state but there should be some common sense regulation. Uh, I think this is a perfect example of common sense regulation. I haven't even read the article to you yet. But, <laughs> from the title alone, you forget your baby on a car roof, you should be sterilized. Period. No questions asked. If you are going to ignore your baby, something you carried for nine months, typically, and you uh, pushed and fought to get out of your body and then love and care and bring them up to a ripe old age 18, but before you could even do that, you left them on the top and they ended up on the highway... Well, then you should not have any other children to mess up. And big surprise, this is in Phoenix. Phoenix police have arrested a woman who allegedly drove off after forgetting that her five-week baby, five-week-old baby, was in a car seat on the roof of her vehicle. Officer James Holmes said officers were calling out 
or were called out Saturday after witnesses found a child strapped in a safety seat in the middle of an intersection. So what? This wasn't just set on the roof. She wasn't pulled over with the baby still on the roof. The baby actually fell off the roof in mid-drive and landed in an intersection. Holy shit. Okay, well, I'm going to... I'm going to take a little liberty here. Not only should they be sterilized, they should go through a non-drug-induced uh, sterilization, so they have to feel the pain of the sterilization process, but they should also be killed. Period. Period. Y- you are an ignorant asshole if you're going to leave your baby on the roof of a car. Drive off. Have the baby fall off. You're obviously not paying attention to your like windows or anything because you would have heard like the thump, thump, thump going off of the roof. And you would have seen something fall from the roof. Like, you would have. You, there's no way you're listening to, uh, uh, let's say, Britney Spears so loud that you're just into it, like rocking out to whatever crap music you're listening to, that you don't pay attention to some dark spot passing past your windows. Or the thumping of the sound of the baby literally rolling off your roof. Officer James Holmes said officers were called out early Saturday after witnesses found a child strapped in a safety seat in the middle of the intersection. A boy wasn't hurt. He's now in the custody of Arizona Child Protective Services. Is that better? Is it? Authorities say the child's mother, 19-year-old, well, there you go, 19-year-old Catalina Clauser. When I talk about kids not knowing shit about shit, this is what I'm talking about. 19 years old, she has sex when she's 18, she gets pregnant because she's ignorant and doesn't know anything about protection, or is too immature to actually care about wrapping that rascal or getting her ass on birth control, has a kid, and yes, I know the accidents happen, even if you have all that protection, but I'm going to make a jump and say, uh, Catalina, no, didn't. She never used that protection. Uh, yeah, but she's she's the personification of doesn't know shit about shit. Catalina Clauser. Her boyfriend and their friends had been smoking marijuana earlier that evening at a nearby park. Oh, really? Well, I suppose it wasn't Britney Spears after all. It was Mary Juana. It was the green ganja. Yeah. The, uh, sweet leaf that made her forget her own fucking baby. So, if you say that marijuana is not dangerous, well, uh, look at this article. It doesn't have to be dangerous. It actually has a lot of medicinal properties for cancer patients, for example. But it's illegal still. It's illegal. She was 19, smoking weed with her baby, her five-week-old baby, left it on the roof, and then in the intersection. Yeah, sterilized and shot. Bad decisions do not go away. They continue. And I was talking about one-upping sexually with, uh... <laughs> this sounds stupid in contrast. Uh, with Artificial Human Companions, you know, just a second ago. Um, she's one-upping with ignorance. It goes from having a kid at 19, which is stupid. <laughs> I know, because I had sisters who did. Um, to, uh, smoking weed. Stupid to smoking weed with a five-week-year-old kid, stupid, to putting your kid on the roof in the first place, that's your first priority, is getting the kid in the car. Not anything else. Damn the groceries. Damn the milk. Get your kid strapped in the car first. First. So you don't put them on the roof, you don't drive away with it on the roof, and then you don't forget about it. 
I mean, come on. And Catalina Clauser? Okay, Catalina, I'm just going to jump to the assumption. Cat- I don't know about Clauser. That doesn't really sound Latin. But I'm going to say she was listening to Latin music. <laughs> because I'm the- I have it all around me in my house. Like, not in my house, but all around my house. Um, I'm in a very Latin area. So I get that music a lot. Yeah, yeah. That sort of polka for the Latins music. Uh, it kind of sucks. It's kind of annoying. I bet she was listening to that. That's how she didn't hear the baby rolling off the roof, and she was so high, she was just zoning in on the road and didn't pay attention to her kid falling from the back window. Uh, Upset that her boyfriend was arrested for suspicion of driving under the influence, police say Clouser went to the home of friends and smoked more weed. They said marijuana, but I'm going to say weed. Okay, so she was pissed that her husband... (laughs) was arrested for suspicion of driving on the phone, which means he wasn't drunk, which is why she's pissed, was arrested for suspicion of driving on the influence. It wasn't, it wasn't alcohol, it was weed, so that's why it's suspicion of driving on the influence. And so what does she do? She goes and gets high with her five-week-year-old kid! Clouser left around midnight. Police say she apparently put the sleeping baby on the roof and drove off, forgetting he was there. Well, let's hope apparently that she did that on accident Uh, let's hope it wasn't intentional but she was high who knows what the hell's going through her ridiculous mind she's upset that her boyfriend who got her pregnant uh was (laughs) in jail for using a substance that he's probably not old enough for so it's illegal an illegal substance uh so she goes and uses an illegal substance huh yeah that uh, makes sense right idiots well, I'm going to leave you with that wonderful notion. Don't be stupid. Uh, stay away from illegal anything. And then uh, if you have kids, don't do anything like that ever. Don't be stupid. It's not just your life you're ruining. That's going to do it for uh, another uh, Infernal Informant. Let's take a short break. Talk about uh, the uh, Satanic Scriptures. And then jump right into Darren Deicide. My name is Kevin I. Slaughter of Underworld Amusements. On Walpurgisnacht five years ago, I announced the release of The Satanic Scriptures by Peter H. Gilmore, a book I'm sure RFS listeners are familiar with. I'm announcing today Las Escritoras Satanicas, the Spanish-language edition of that same book. You may know the English version came out in a signed and numbered slipcase and a dust-jacketed hardback edition before the paperback was released. The numbered slipcase edition was sold out within a day of the announcement. And if you weren't able to get one, you may also know that they now both sell for hundreds of dollars on the secondary market. I'm using Kickstarter to allow for pre-orders and will limit the numbered edition to however many people want to order one between Walpurgisnacht and June 9th. If you'd like a hardback or paperback, those will be available as well. Go to lasescritorissatanicus.com or find the book on Facebook or Twitter for more information. You know, dogs are different than cats. And hey, what if Jack Nicholson were... Hey, what if We Are the World was sung by the cast of Friends? I think it might go something like this. Hi, everyone. I'm Jay Leno. Anyone remember when I was funny? Eat Doritos. Ladies and gentlemen, Dane Cook. Are you fed up with comedy that's made for the masses? Sick of stand-up comedian hacks with the same old routines that you've heard a thousand times before? Equally tired of shock jocks who equate loudness with laughter? 
Hello, my name is Reverend Bill M., creator and host of The Devil's Mischief, a show where every week I present a new hour of comedy and novelty of devilish proportions. So tune in to The Devil's Mischief. Visit devilsmischief.com or radiofreesatan.com to download the latest podcast. The Devil's Mischief. Carnal comedy clips and netherworld novelty numbers simply not made for the masses. Venture down into Lambert's basement and join me, Dave Ingram and Eagle, Hello. where we time travel via nostalgia to a golden age of big band swing and jazz, only available on Radio Free Satan. Welcome to another Creature Feature. Today I'm being joined by a friend of the show, once again, Darren Diaside. Thank you so much for joining me, man. Always a pleasure. Fantastic. You're one of those, uh, I'm moving the mic so we might get a bunch of like scratching sounds. You're one of those musicians I love having on. Uh, you're, you're a real pleasure to talk to, and you're really talented, and we've got a lot in common, so, uh, you know, it's always a great, great interview. Yeah, it's less of an interview and more a couple buddies hanging out. Yeah, a bit of a <laughs> convo. So, uh, wanted to have you on because uh, some pretty big news. We had talked about this before, about you uh, kind of going into this project, but Bomb This Joint. Bomb This Joint is coming out 7-inch. You're going to be pulling your 7 inches out. I'm pretty excited to, uh, oddly enough, hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, everyone's going to be slapping my 7-inch down on their table. <laughs> So let's talk about let's talk about the song. Let's talk about the process. Um, you know, let's sort of get into this. What was it like? Because this was your first vinyl, right? Yes, yes. This is this is going to be the first thing I've ever put on wax. I'm really excited about that. Um, the song, uh, you know, is is one of my newer songs, and I got a bunch. I'm working on a whole new crop of stuff because, yeah. as much as I love the cocaine song and Napalm Death and Fire, you know. The, the antsy musician in me needs to move on. That's <laughs> yeah, just one one chapter, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, you know, I've had a pretty large incubation period. I'm ready to start putting some of this, everything I've absorbed in the past. Wow, you know, Cocaine Song and Napalm Death and Fire were off Jersey Devils here, and that was 2008, so I'm way overdue here. <laughs> yeah, man. Four years of incubation, ready to just come out in one big spew. I'm ready. Nice. There's a, a lot of uh, innuendo going on. <laughs> seven <laughs> inches coming out in one big spew. Yeah, well, if you're going to come out with one big spew, you might as well start with the seven inch. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, no reason to keep it in, keep it in sheathed. 
okay, so let's talk about the process, man. I'm, I'm interested because I've never... I, I Though I enjoy records, I grew up at the tail end of the record era, you know, when it was really popular and stuff. Um, and I, I do own a couple myself. The whole process is still a complete mystery to me. So... Um, let, let's maybe start with uh, why. Why did you want to do a 7-inch? I wanted to do it because there are a couple of reasons. One, the format of CD is more or less dead or dying. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I sort of witnessed that as I was in the past, uh, I don't know, uh, 10 or so years that I've been doing this. Um, when I started, CDs were still a viable medium and there were uh, a lot of people buying them. Now, you know, I, I'm seeing almost more activity on iTunes than my CDs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually just read an article that was written by an, an in- industry insider. And the title of the article was How Vinyl and Digital Downloading Ganged Up to Kill CDs. And I thought, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that it was a very insightful article. It was sort of written with the uh, audience being people in music uh, industry so not necessarily interesting to the average person but um it it, it it's true that the cd is kind of going away of the dinosaur so being that everything is either happening in these two markets one being uh downloading and the other being vinyl most people think of vinyl as a retro thing and the market that that's open to it is usually people who are are interested in in bygone music, so I'm I, I I wonder, and it's a curiosity thing, and this is a bit of an experiment. If a contemporary musician, a, a musician who's actually still being a musician right now, can make it a viable medium to sell things on. Did so. Did you read why vinyl was still so popular? Is it just the sort of kitschy, you know, retro feel of it? For some people, that's true. There's certainly that portion of people. Um, the other reasons are that uh, there are still people who yearn for this sort of uh, visual aspect and the physical aspect of vinyl, mm-hmm. because the you know music world enough to remember this, but <laughs> music always came with artwork and it came with like a concept and it came with sometimes a, a broader sort of world that was attached to the music itself so if you got some some album it would have a fold-out jacket and you kind of tuned over the artwork and you listened to it and you looked at the jacket and you were almost like teleported to another world um and so there's there are people who miss that they miss that sort of tangible visual aspect of it but the other is is actually a sound thing and the sound is 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 very unique in vinyl it's a type of compression that's very live sounding it's not coincidental that vinyl, um, to most people, sounds very live. It sounds very real. Um, and it's, it's, it's actually pretty scientific. It has to do with the compression and the frequency of noises. So, um, so you know, the digital, the digital medium sort of lacks those two aspects. Yeah. I, and i got to tell you, growing up with music, it was, I mean, I grew up formative years in the 80s here, so music wasn't all that great for the masses, but <clears throat> there was a lot of great music being made, and there was 
always, and you know, you always sort of fall back to the decade prior, or two decades prior to where you were growing up, or at least I did. So the 60s and 70s was huge for, for album conception, and especially being delivered in a very storybook way. So just like you were saying, you know, you get this album, but it's not just, it's not just, uh, you know, a piece of vinyl in a sleeve. There's time and artistry and uh, musicians' talents being put into the message that's being put across through that delivery method of just that sleeve and whether, you know, is is an, uh, a gatefold or, or not. But uh, I miss growing up and just reading the inside. And, and for me, it was mainly tapes initially. But like opening up the tape jacket and unfolding it and reading whatever was written in there, whether it's lyrics or... Um, uh, stories or, or whatever it was because it was a part of the album that was so essential and now I, I feel like everything is so single song centric there's just no there's no real aura around the music so it's like you're only getting half of the experience that you once had so you know maybe if you're growing up nowadays you don't know that you're missing it but you know having grown up when a time when there was concept and presentation I truly miss that. So I, I think it's amazing you're doing this. Another thing I wanted to bring up is that a lot of people have tried, a lot of bands have tried to put that experience in like a PDF that they sell along with a digital download or whatever, and it never, you never really get that feel that you did just holding that jacket in your hands. <laughs> you know, it, I have to, yeah, I have to warn you though, because this is a, a seven inch and I had limited resources. I don't really have too much of a jacket. <laughs> Yeah. So the label, though, the labeling and everything's cool, and it comes also with a card um, that has a little explanation of things, and also um, just so people know that that card has will have a unique password and username to a secret site, so that you will also be able to have it on a digital format. Nice. So not having a turntable doesn't disqualify you from getting this seven inch and, and enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, you could still keep it as a sort of collector's item or a physical thing or who knows, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it is, it is a very different thing. Maybe one day when I do an LP, something bigger, because this is just a seven inch, so it's two songs, you yeah. know, side B side. Um, but when that day comes, I would love to be able to accompany the music with that sort of visual presentation. It's, it's, you're right. It's, it's, it's an element of music that's gone. And, so uh, let me ask you, are you going to base that decision on how well Bomb This Joint does? Or is that something that you're just thinking about anyway? Yeah, I'm you read my mind. See, that's exactly what, what I'm doing here. I'm sort of dipping my toe in the pool. I want to see how this does. Because I really can't tell. Um, I can't tell if um, the vinyl audience, like I said, is going to accept a contemporary musician. Or if it'll just be like, well, I've never heard of this guy. He's not, you know... So how do you how do you approach that then? Uh, because I would imagine that uh, though it's it's not such a huge deal when it comes to you recording two songs versus making a whole album and you know betting thousands and thousands of dollars on this one album. But for, you know this is a great way to sort of test the waters. Is that a worry? Th or, or I don't want to say that. How are you approaching those collectors, those vinyl enthusiasts? You know, sort of the the resurgence of vinyl. How how are you trying to reach out to that audience versus well, the audience that you've built off of your live shows and your existing digital and physical CDs? 
Yeah, well, I am first going to do this tour and sort of take it to the masses. That's that's the first step. Um, so um, I'm, that's uh, it's, it's this tour sort of has this mission of spreading the gospel of vinyl. Preach mm-hmm. it, brother. Uh, I actually have a, a gig at Buzzbin Music and Art Shop in um, Canton, Ohio, which is right outside Cleveland, and uh, that's an in-store in a record shop. Um, and I'm hoping to line up more stuff like that. So I'm going to be doing that, but um, when I get back, I'm I'm definitely going to start putting together a promotional battle plan to start reaching out to uh, that niche market. So yeah, it, it may be worth just looking online and and uh, I'm just sort of spitballing here because I don't have any experience with that particular niche anyway. But um, you know, finding the forums where there's a vibrant community and and sort of you know stepping in the door, so to speak. Letting them know because this is something that I, I probably wouldn't buy a vinyl of someone I don't know that I'm not familiar with the music, but with music like yours um, and a handful of other people that I'm I'm comfortable with, having a vinyl is like owning a and this is gonna sound a little weird. It's like owning a piece of you. You know what I mean? I mean it, it's so much more personal than as we've discussed already the digital that I, I think it's. Uh, I think you're almost obligated. If you're if you consider yourself a fan of a musician, um, and they're gonna they're gonna do something that is a little bit groundbreaking, a little bit dangerous in the uh, you know in the in the music world right now, it's sort of your obligation to support them, and especially when it's something that you've always been interested in anyway. So, I, everyone listening out there, if if you've ever heard Nine Cents, then you've heard of or Darren Deicide's music firsthand, and you have to. Uh, pre-order this this seven inch because uh, I want to I want to see that uh, full LP. <laughs> the cover yeah. really, it'll be badass. Yeah, you know, it's, speaking of t- taking a piece of it, you know, people people can't see because I could see you on Skype and you can see <laughs> it. but behind you right now I see that that beautiful picture disc of Satanic Mass on your bookshelf. Oh yeah. Yeah. And Anton sitting there and giving me the glare from behind a, <laughs> a couple masks, but it's perfect. You know, the, there it is, right there. There's a there's a piece of vinyl that's like a little piece of, not just you know uh, anyone could get Anton Lavey's music, but to have that picture disc just sitting there, it's like it's not it's music and look, it's a mantelpiece. It's beautiful, you know. It's a yeah, it's a great thing. Um, so it's it, you're right. I. I I think it's a. It's. We'll see what happens. You know, this music world is moving so quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's very hard to predict everything, and it's it's a it's a bit like being Lewis and Clark in the Wild West right now. You know, for musicians, we're all kind of like trying to figure things out. Nobody knows what's going on. Um, is that is that a topic? Whenever you get together with another musician, uh, do you guys wax? Excuse me, do you guys wax like that, or is all it sort of time. just keeping it to yourself? All the time. The, the main thing that's on the mind of musicians right now, when, you, when you're talking about things that don't have to do with art, you know, um, is how do I make money as a musician? Mm-hmm. Um, because there's just, there seems to be no way right now. Um, but, but increasingly what I hear is live show. Um, this, is, this is the last thing, the last element of music performance and, and music writing that really you can't replicate and you can't buy it and sell it per se so this is this is definitely seems to be a, a direction that things are going in now and even the majors know that they're signing these 360 deals that's what they're called where they're basically um, trying to uh, take pieces of 
merchandise and everything that happens at a live show. Because so, they know they just cannot do what they used to do with, you know, big Tower Records type of stores and Sam Goody. Those days are over. So. That's kind of weird, too, because is I, I'm not a uh, touring musician or a musician by any stretch of the imagination, so I, this is just me going off of um, what, what I see and hear, but isn't that how it originally was anyway? Like, you would have to go out to live shows and, and do your shows and then sell stuff out of your car or your trunk or, what, or your suitcase in order to get picked up by the this, the, the record uh, deals and stuff, or get your own deal, that is. So, I mean, it's it's almost like this even degeneration. <laughs> like, like, you had to struggle in this exact same way at the beginning that you are to stay afloat, and is a record deal even on the radar at all? Like, do you even care? Yeah, that's a really good observation. It's totally true. It's all it's all come full circle, and it's very interesting to witness it. Um, you could even go really far back before recorded music, before there was recorded music. It was entirely uh, two things soldier music were, were live shows and sheet music, mm-hmm. because sheet music was basically, since we didn't have turntables or anything that actually played music, you would buy sheet music, get a musician, and be like, here, play this. Um, so so it's interesting because, like, take, for example, like the show I'm doing for the release party. The 7-inch release is going to be at Auto Shrunken Head. Auto Shrunken Head is in the heart of New York City, in Manhattan, and it's a tiki bar that's becoming pretty notorious. Yeah, it's, it's quite a place. It's really an amazing place. And I'm, I'm having Burlesque, which is being headed up by Tina Tassels. Marilyn Field is doing a fashion show. Um, she's going to do some of Venus Payne creations and, and lethal wear stuff. She's going to be modeling with other models. Um, Lady Zombies hosting and going to be doing some racy fetish stuff on stage. Oh, so it's like, hot. you know, yeah, it's going to be great. You know, it's, it's it, you know, it's it, a, a guy musician surrounding himself with beautiful women is always a smart move. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, it's it, back before recorded music. There were things like vaudevillian shows and, and medicine shows, where they were just—it wasn't just like three bands get together, they do their thing, and then they go home. It was a variety show. It was more than that. It was a like a total environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that now that the, there's so much emphasis on the live show, that that's becoming more true now. We're starting to see um, uh, not only do do musicians have to go back to that sort of bread and butter, like you have to perform, but it needs to be more than just your standard. Here's some guy playing, and let's go on to the next thing. So, <clears throat> I so, absolutely agree, and I love that you're doing a whole show. We, I mean, obviously, your music is enough to sell tickets, but the fact that you're adding on to that, you're adding value to it. So, you're bringing something to the table that a lot of other live musicians aren't, and uh, that's sex, and that's excitement, and it just fuels the entire project. I, that's just fucking amazing, man. Yeah, uh, I hope I hope to, to surround myself with a lot of miscreants, you know, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, and I've told this to every musician I think that's been on the show uh, that that I am incapable of traveling to see live. If, if there's any way, man, that you can record this, I, I think that would be a very cool thing. You know, spend five bucks to see the video of the live. I think that'd be awesome. It's a great idea. You know, that it's, it's interesting that you brought up before. You know, the uh, 
the fact that when you were a kid, you had to go see something. We didn't have like MTV and, and these <laughs> sort of instantaneous. You heard a record and you you sort of imagined what the artist might be like, but you didn't know, and you had to go see them to find out. And it's it's funny because things like YouTube nowadays allows a bypass on that. So I have mixed feelings about what you're saying, because on the one hand, I do want everyone to see the spectacle, but on the other hand, I've witnessed a lot of, especially the younger generation, just become downright fucking lazy about yeah. music. And, you know, they, they, they think that because they saw somebody on YouTube that they got the whole of the experience, and why would I even bother? Yeah, and that's, that's really sad to me. I, I feel as though when I was a kid... There was a there was an excitement to that, and there was a uh, it really it fueled things like having a show in your garage while your parents were gone for the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> but I also think that it, it, it's sort of the definition between between uh, types of people because you know you're going to get your, your music lovers who just like the tunes, and then you're going to get the music lovers who really like the artists, and then you're going to get the music lovers who love concerts, and then you know so. I, I, I do exactly see and agree with the majority of, of that perspective that you're presenting there. Um, I I would make the argument that there are those of us who who do truly want to you know experience that live show that it's just not a possibility because either the artist isn't coming to us or we are incapable at that moment to go to the artist. So it would be nice if there was a way that you could work it out that you'd be comfortable with and that everyone would sort of get their beaks wet as appropriate and. You know, um, without watering it down is like just a free YouTube posting, um, because I do feel like that if if you go to the trouble to set up production and sound and get it recorded and, and packaged, well then the audience is going to be willing to pay for that. You know, the, and this is something that damn the economy. If you if if there's something that is important to you, you will spend money on that. And, uh, you know, this, this pre-order I'm hoping for you is going to prove out and of uh, the, the bomb this joint 7-inch. And, you know, just maybe thinking about something like this in the future might be, uh, might be another way that might pan out and, and help you with the live shows. Because, I mean, let's face it, if, if you're going to rely solely on regional live shows, then you are seriously limiting, you know, your, your potential, not only income, but fan base growing and, and stuff like that, so... Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to push you here, and I'm just no, no, no. You're, you know, the, the, I've heard so many opinions, and this is this kind of strikes to what I was saying before. We're we're sort of we're, this is the wild frontier, and it's great to hear that. It's it's this is it seems like everyone who's into music has so many interesting ideas about what is what is going on and what ought to be done because of the fact that the technology is moving so quickly. It's moving faster than we know how to react to it. Yeah. So, that's what this hashing out process is, and it's it's just a it's an amazing thing. And it, you know, even the, the the digital downloading aspect of the of the vinyl project uh, was actually uh, Zoss' idea. Oh, really? <laughs> Marilyn's husband. And when he brought it up, I was like, you know, yeah, you're right. I should maybe just give that a shot and see what happens. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's but, smart because it's sort of incentive for those who don't have um, a record player. Um, mm-hmm. Because obviously, I mean, let's face it. The point of all of this is so they can hear your music. You know, <laughs> I mean, you're not doing this so someone's going to put it on a shelf. Though, if that's what they want to do after they hear it, that's great. But uh, yeah, it, we have to think of um, functional uh, exposure to the music. So I, I think that was a brilliant idea, and I'm, I'm really stoked that you adopted it. 
Yeah, you know, it's, it, it, it only just didn't pop into my head because I, I'm a strange sort of anachronistic person in the sense that I, I just don't, I'm not keeping up with half of this shit mm-hmm. <laughs> technology wise yeah, yeah, you're yeah. talking to a guy who collects 78s and still listens to a cabinet turntable so uh, <laughs> you know I, I have no idea how to work these phones that rub your balls and wipe your ass <laughs> I gotta get the one that wipes the ass <laughs> built in bootay <laughs> heard about that app <laughs> I well, let, let me sort of pull this back a little bit. So, was the process recording this any different than recording any other version? Yes, it very well. The the process of creating the vinyl was very different. Uh, the Jersey Devil is here was done in a similar way because I've been rather committed to analog compression in my sound, mm-hmm. and I recorded both Bomb This Joint and Jersey Devil is here on reel to reel tape. So, um, both of them. In that respect, we're analog. Um, what makes Bomb This Joint particularly awesome, especially if you're listening to it on vinyl, is that uh, the tape was, it was the master, uh, just to fill everybody in on how this works, uh, They what they do is they take the master recording and they put it into this giant machine. These, this machine was just unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. Like a 70s supercomputer or something? Yeah, yeah pretty much, yeah. <laughs> this giant record-making machine that's just this big behemoth of a metal monster, um, and you hook uh, the the uh, reels into it, and it you put a metal plate into it, and it literally plays the tape and grinds a plate out as it spins it around, wow. slowly grinds it with this needle, and from that you have a master from which you stamp the vinyl, which creates your, your record. So... It was it was just great to watch. I, I was definitely shitting myself and thinking <laughs> it was incredibly neat. <laughs> so, were you given the the master when you were finished? Yes, I, I was there for every bit of the process, mostly because I was just curious, and I've That's never awesome. seen something like this. And and so so if you listen to the record, if you do get the record, you're listening to something that was pure analog from straight to finish in production. You're you're getting an authentic analog experience because it went onto tape. From tape, it was cut to plate, and from plate, it was stamped out and given to you. Oh, I cannot wait. So, okay, so when is this going to be in my hands? Because <laughs> I pre-ordered this bad boy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it should be any day now. This pressing plan is just killing me. Um, <laughs> I really hope to have it sooner, but, uh, you know, I approved the tests. They, they give you test pressings before they stat- do the actual run because they don't want to run 500 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, vinyls. So, <laughs> so I gave them the, the go ahead. I the, theoretically they're pressing it right now. It should be any day now. I, you know, I, 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 no one's more excited and and uh, anticipating this more than me. So, so how are the pre uh, the pre orders going out? Is it are you physically doing this, or is this the record company sending them out, or what? Yeah, this is this is I'm going to be doing it. Wow. Uh, gonna go ahead and do it and it's this the amount of support's been great i'm really thankful for everybody who's been behind it and uh the second i get it it's gonna go right i'm going straight to the post office so is the pre-order encouraging so far pre-orders are encouraging yeah it's it's been a a nice steady trickle and uh i wasn't really sure about that either if uh, if you know those were going to go out the door and nobody was going to pay attention mm-hmm. so the fact that it's been sl- steady rolling has been a, a great thing 
yeah. And how do they do that? I mean, are you doing like a mass run of X amount and then you're just going to sort of hold on to those and divvy them out as people order them? Or are you just keeping it on on the shelf so that you can just order on demand? Or I mean, how, how does that even work? Uh, well, I'm pressing 500. Um, oh, once those 500 are gone, that'll, that'll sort of, I'm going to sort of cross that bridge when I get to it. Mm-hmm. Right now, um, I just want to see if I could get over the 500 hump. Keep it rare, man. Keep it only 500. <laughs> yeah, that may be the case. Fuel I, I the fire be, for the LP. Yeah, especially if I wind up writing a whole bunch of material and I'm ready to move on to the LP. That, that'll that just make it even sweeter of a treat for everyone who got in on it. Hells yes. I like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> it, may be, it may be stealing a little money from your pocket, but I like that idea. <laughs> All right, well, um, is there uh, any way we can convince you to maybe uh, pull out a tune for us? I, I am ready. I'm ready yeah. to do a song that you've had a little hand in, Mr. Campbell. Well, I don't know about hand, but I, I certainly maybe planted a little seed. You did, yes. I, I certainly wouldn't have pursued this if it weren't for you. But uh, the song is called Devil Woman Blues. It's a song that uh, is a take on the Skip James traditional. So and excited for this. <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's a little homage to Sin. That's where we were going with it. Yeah. <laughs> Should we tell everyone a little bit about how how this song came about? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. No, David, Black House Blues. Yeah, a project. Um, we we were uh, talking about collaborating for a while, and you had you had sent me a Johnny Temple song, uh, Evil Evil. It was it Evil Devil Blues? Yeah, I think it was. I think so. Which was you know in the tradition of this song, just so, you know people. It, before anyone gets up in my butt about uh, covers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a common thing, you know, it, it goes back to pre-recorded music, but it's a common thing for classics to sort of become ingrained in the culture and for people to take them and reinvent them and spin them and give it's them... It's a blues voice. and souls tradition, so if anyone has a problem with it, they can fuck off. This is this is <laughs> how life is. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I don't even think anyone owns the the uh, rights to uh, this classic anymore. It's just it's just in the commons at this point. There's a lot of songs like that. Oh yeah. Uh, we there are some songs that are that are part of the blues tradition. We have no idea where they came from because they just predate everything. But they just keep getting passed on. Yeah, so. and they're known by their last musician. So. Yeah. So you know that's kind of the uh, the the history of this one. This one's carrying the torch. So, should I, should I kick it? Hell yeah, please do. Alright, here we go. Devil is my 
tonight. But you know she she means to my blues. She dances to my red. Watch her shimmy now. Here she goes. so cool i'm a huge fan of the blues and and that took me fucking back man <laughs> great good stuff so uh <laughs> that is so fucking cool um yeah so th- this this song i i suppose had to be a hell of a, a challenge to really sort of master i mean uh it, it's very complex yeah oh man you know if there's anything this process has taught me is an appreciation for Skip James. <laughs> that man knew how to play. And, you know, I watched the old videos, and he was a masterful finger picker. But uh, to actually have to, like, step into his shoes, it was, it was easily one of the hardest things I've ever done. Was, his style, and I heard he was a really rough mentor because he had a few mentees that he taught in his style. Some people call it the Bentonian style because he was from uh, Bentonia, Mississippi. But um, it really, there is no Bentonia style. There's only Skip James, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he, he was supposedly a very rough mentor. He, he is not easy to come from the school of Skip James. And now that I've, I've tried to, to fill his shoes. I mean, there were, there were elements of, I, you know, I tried to step backwards in learning that by learning how Skip James did it and then trying to go back towards how I would do it. Yeah. Um, but there were just things that he did that I, I couldn't do. 
I, I simply couldn't do because they were so idiosyncratic or fast or just uh, just so part of who he was as an individual player that I, I, I it was if I even tried to do what he did, I would just sound like a half-baked Skip James. <laughs> <laughs> and, and more than that, I think, I mean, you, you have to sort of inject your own into it anyway. So um, mm-hmm. it, it might have been worse of a hack if you would have pulled it off perfectly like him. You know what I mean? I mean, the, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was more a matter of exercise to try to do that. But it, 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 but it was hum- it was humbling in the sense that I really just couldn't I couldn't do what he did, and and uh, you know there's there are transcripts of people uh, translating what he did because you know he never sheet music what he did, um, and then the the doubly challenging thing about these blues players is they often played with such expressionism that they they never played a song the same twice, and so. So you can never really truly do what they do to a T because there's probably five versions of it in recorded material. So. Well, I, I gotta say the the Darren Do side version is pretty fucking badass and stands on its own. I, I really enjoyed that tune. Thank you, sir. Um, let, let's talk about Bomb This Joint a little bit more here before we uh, close this up. What uh what can people expect when they pre-order this right now or when this is released, maybe it'll already be out. Um, what can they expect when they order this? You said there was two songs on it, so... Yes, two songs. A-side is Bomb This Joint. The B-side is Hudson River Hangover. Hudson River Hangover originally appeared on the Jersey Devils here, but I did it with a certain approach on Jersey Devils here. It was a little bit more liberal with production values. Uh, what what you're getting on this though is what I usually do when I play it live, and Hudson River Hangover on this is was recorded on this guitar, the Stella, nice. which is a 1930s guitar that I just fell in love with, and <laughs> it's just it just plays like a charm, and uh, and I play it with a little bit more emphasis on guitar virtuosity and playing and finger picking, so it's a little bit different. I also play it with slide too, which I didn't do. Yeah. The, on um, uh, Jersey Devils here, so you're getting you're definitely even though it's a song that came out once, it's a, you're getting a very different version of it. Um, Bomb this joint is a song that I've been playing for almost a year now, and it's it was uh, I, I don't like to give away the meanings of songs, especially when people extrapolate what they think it's about. And that's yeah, yeah. With this song, <laughs> but uh, I will give this much out. Um, I'm sort of an avid Lindy Hopper, which is just one of the ways in which I connect to this, the music of rhythm and blues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there's a term, and Lindy Hop was born in New York City, and uh, there's a term that's sort of developed in the Lindy Hop scene called Lindy Bombing. And Lindy Bombing is when you go to any sort of music event where there aren't normally Lindy Hoppers, and you just bust out in Lindy Hop and everyone just sort of consciously gets bombed and just like, whoa, what the fuck are you doing? Holy shit. So that's sort of the idea behind Lindy bombing. And I, I just love that concept of just kind of showing up, dancing your pants off when no one expects it and blowing everyone's mind. It just, I, I, I would see it happen with these Lindy hoppers all the time. And I was like, that's really cool. I love how they bomb this joint. <laughs> and so that was, that was sort of, Lyrically an impetus behind it was this this concept of Lindy bombing that I like so much. Very but there's cool. a few other layers. 
<laughs> All right. Well, okay. So to order this, they can go to DarrenDSide.com and click the pre-order button. Is there any other way they can order this? No, that is the only way right now. Um, as, as soon as I get back from tour, so maybe six months down the road or so, oh, shit. this may appear on Amazon and, and the major outlets. But for now, DarrenDSide.com is the exclusive place to get it. Hell yeah. All right, well, let me do a little call to action here. And uh, if <clears throat> if you're into the blues, if you're into uh, independent musicians, if you're into Darren, uh, get off your tookus and uh, go to darrendsi.com and click the pre-order for Bomb This Joint Big 7-Inch. Trust me, you are going to want Darren's Big 7-Inch. I don't care if you're into guys or not. <laughs> uh, seriously, support an amazing artist. This is amazing stuff. Uh, and I just got to say, uh, that song we just heard, um, I'm a little chub. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm pretty stoked on that. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this, uh, this, this vinyl release and any future LPs that I'm crossing my fingers are going to be coming down the line. Let me talk a little bit about the future with you. With with this expression of the seven inch, with your um, with your, your delve into the the Skip James tune and, and really truly making it your own, uh, I I've I've often said that every artist worth his salt has a bit of an evolution in their career. Do you think that you're evolving? And if you are, um, do you think you're evolving in a more um, modern or a more traditional way? Ooh, that is a great question. It, yeah, if you can even define modern or traditional. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, um, I have to say that I've been in recent times a little bit. Uh, well, let me put it this way: with the Jersey Devil is here, I had this approach and this idea that I was going to write an album that would have something of a mass appeal. Yeah. I think lately. I've been less inclined to make that appeal. So I'm I'm getting into you know, this was this whole thing with Devil Women Blues has just been an awesome experience. It's been a, a, a sort of mental hajj in a sense because <laughs> I've been going I've been delving deeper into like the concept of deep blues, you know, which is the the old ways of playing and the, the sort of uh, odd tunings and and uh, uh, strange scales that create those sort of really dark dissonant sounds. And uh, you know, playing techniques and whatnot. So, um, so that in combination with with uh, I've I've been also delving into things that are related to the blues, or cousins of the blues, like jazz. Yeah. Um, and and just uh, absorbing as much as I can on that. So I think I think that what you could expect in the future is is just something. It, perhaps the Jersey Devil is here is my olive branch to people to say, come on in. But I think the future stuff is like you're in now in the sense that <laughs> I'm not going to... I'm, I'm less inclined to, to offer the olive branch and I'm ready to challenge my audience with some, some interesting stuff now that's a little bit less... It's more substance-filled and a little bit less about just getting you to sing along with some catchy choruses <laughs> well i'm i'm very looking forward to it and uh as always man it, it, it's a true pleasure again darren get your pre-order because uh 
there's only 500. There's a lot more than that people out there. So <laughs> uh, supporting amazing artists, guys. Darren, thank you so much for joining me. It, 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 truly a pleasure. Uh, I, I I wish I could see you live, and I'm hoping someday to get my ass out to New York and make it happen. I, I'm hoping to get my ass out to Utah. I really am. <laughs> that doesn't have as good as a ring to it. You don't hear that often. I'm hoping to get my ass out to Utah. <laughs> I would I would love to do a national tour. Uh, you know, it seems like every time I get to Chicago, it just it's just kind of like, ooh, there's a wall there with that Midwest, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, one thing uh, that is happening on this tour is I'm I'm playing St. Louis for the first time, um, and I'm also hey, playing Columbia, Missouri. Oh really? Yes, and Columbia, Missouri. I'm playing the rock. I'm playing Roxies, and I'm opening for the goddamn Gallows. And anyone who's who knows their uh, their cow punk or country punk will will have their bells rung by the hmm. goddamn gallows because the goddamn gallows are a pretty big band on Farmageddon Records and the Ro- Roxy's is a pretty big venue so that's going to be a big big show um, and the fact that you know I'm going a little pe- bit past Chicago now I may just be creeping my way towards you Adam hey you always <laughs> got somewhere to crash man <laughs> always yeah. That'd be pretty badass. Um, okay, so, so where's your next show so people can go uh, see you live? The next show is it, Otto's, the 7-inch release. It is All going right. to be in the heart of New York City at Otto Shrekin Head. Right, from Just, if you're in the area, support him, man. Get out there and do what I can't. <laughs> yeah, from there, I hit the road, and I go straight to Ohio. Um, I, I will be playing in Canton and Akron, and then making my way towards uh, also Kent, Ohio. Then making my way towards Chicago. I have four shows in the Chicagoland area. Um, I will be playing Milwaukee. I know some of you CUS people are listening. <laughs> Milwaukee. <laughs> it's my first time entering Milwaukee. Um, oh, yeah. St. Louis. Cincinnati first time. Another first timer there. And uh, well, a few shows in Pennsylvania before I head back home. Hell yeah. Oh, man. Alright, well, uh, good luck to you on the tour, and good luck with the release of Bomb This Joint. Uh, as I've said, I'm, I'm looking forward to my copy, and uh, it's always a pleasure, man. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Pleasure, too. Well, thanks for hanging in there, guys. Uh, really great interview. I love that Buse... <laughs> Blues tune. <laughs> I know that was saying. Buse. Uh, but that's going to do it for another show. I hope you enjoyed it. I would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit the SatanNet, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9 cents and get updated on weekly topics. Listen to the show at RadioFreeSatan.com or download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. You can also subscribe via iTunes by searching 9 cents. Don't forget to leave a rating and or comment. If you'd like to learn more about about the Church of Satan. Holy shit, that airplane is going over really low. Can you hear that? As if you can respond. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, <laughs> visit churchofsatan.com. And if you'd like to hear other fine satanic voices, music, or personalities, visit radiofreesatan.com, an online streaming radio station. Once again, thank you for joining me. And as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell. And until next week, hail Satan. Satan! No, Satan! <laughs>